if you weren't able to be here in between services, we just got to celebrate in water baptisms. Yeah. And it was so amazing out on the front lawn. Um, we were all able to be pretty close there and see people celebrating new life and what God's doing and um, individuals that God has brought to our church even recently and how God is transforming them and changing them and molding their life. It was an amazing time. And if it's your first time, maybe you're worshiping online with us for the first time. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron and I'm the lead pastor and we're glad that you're joining with us this Sunday, Celebration Sunday. And I want to challenge you with this thought right here, um, that we are NCC. So turn to someone next to you and just tell them that you are NCC. <clears throat> and then let's say that out loud together. We are NCC. Let's do it. We are NCC. So we believe that when God's talking about the church and when God's dreaming about the church, he's not talking um, about one individual as a pastor. He's not talking about this building. So the church isn't just 2600 East Glen Boulevard, but God is talking about each and every one of us. God's dreaming about you when he dreams about his church and his desire is for you, his heart is for people. And so this idea of the church and new community church, it's made up of us as people. And when we talk about that here at NCC, there's some declaration. There's some things that we say of who we are, who God has called us to be. Now, we have them hanging in the lobby. So every week when you walk in, if you're physically here in the building, you may walk past those. But the trouble with that is them being there is sometimes we forget, right? We walk past and it's just something, another decoration on the wall um, <clears throat> that's hanging up there. But it's who God has called us to be. And we talk about that. One of the first things, and you guys probably know this because we say it all the time, is, is that Scripture... Yep, you guys got it. First service struggled a little bit with that one, okay? Kudos to you guys. You guys got that. Scripture shapes our lives. We talk about that a lot, that it's God's Word that is the foundation of everything that we do. And we look at Scripture. We talk about we own our spiritual growth, that it's not someone else's responsibility that we're growing, but we own that for ourselves, that we have a part in what God is doing and moving us forward in our faith growing, in our relationship with God becoming stronger. We live life together, that we don't want anyone here at NCC walking alone. And so we want to create places and we want to be a people that are welcoming and that are growing with others and we know about each other's lives. And so when someone's hurting, we're there for them and we're building that together. We change the world. We talk about that, that how God has called us to bring change to the world around us. And I want to celebrate yesterday... Um, Mesquite had their Mesquite Trash Bash, and a number of people right here from NCC went out and gave up their Saturday morning and served, and that was awesome. Ashley led that, and I'm so thankful that we're part of a church that says, hey, we want to be involved in the community. We want to be serving and giving and making an impact in the place that God has called us to be. Joy is seen in who we are. We talk about that. We invest in the next generation, that we want to pour and see change in the life of kids and students, and we move forward. So those are our declarations. And what we don't want is that they're just hanging on the wall, but that we're living those out, not just when we're together as the church, but each and every day that you're carrying those things into your Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, every day of your week, that you're looking at your life and saying, God, I want to become the kind of church that you're dreaming of. 
And so scripture is a part of that. My spiritual growth is a part of that. Living life with others is a part of that. And so today I want to focus in on one. I wish I had time to go through all of them in detail, but I just want to focus in on one, and it's this one. Joy is seen in who we are. We are NCC, and so joy is seen in who we are. Now, when you think about that word joy, maybe a lot of different thoughts come to your mind. Maybe the idea of happiness is a key thought of, hey, that's what joy means, is that God wants to make me happy. But let's be honest, we're not always happy, are we? Nope. There are struggles, there are difficulties in life, there are things that are very hard to navigate through, and so joy isn't just happiness. And when you start to look at the word joy and this idea, as the biblical writers were writing this and what they talked about, it was this idea that was more than just a fleeting attitude, but it was our reaction to what's going on around us. And it was tied into this idea of celebrating and rejoicing and declaring the goodness of God and the favor of God. And it wasn't always swayed by just what was happening in the world around them. We are called to be joyful people. And if there's ever been a time where we need joy in our world, it is right now. The world needs to see a people that are full of joy, that recognize the goodness of God, and that we carry that into every part of our life and every day. I remember whenever I was younger, I saw this movie, it's an old, old movie, decades ago, called Chariots of Fire. Has anyone ever seen that? Okay, some of you guys probably know the soundtrack, because it's like a really famous theme song. I thought I could hum it for you, but that would just be really bad, okay? So so it's this story, though, if you've never seen it, it's this story of a young man named Eric Lindell, and he grew up in China. His parents were missionaries. They were from Scotland. But his entire childhood growing up, he was in China. And growing up there, um, man, he saw a lot and understood a lot of God's calling on his life. They were bringing the word of God and the gospel to people that had never heard about the love of Jesus. And then as an older, or I guess as a young man getting into his young adult years, he went to the University of Cambridge and he found this joy of running. And so he started running on the college team there ended up breaking a lot of records, and got qualified for the 1924 Olympics, which was in Paris. And so he gets to the Olympics, and the story there is he gets to the Olympics, and he finds out that his race, the one that he was favored to win the gold, he had set the records in, that it was being run on a Sunday. And as part of his personal conviction, he said, hey, I don't run on a Sunday. That's a day that I've given to God to honor God. And the newspapers went crazy. The media at that time kind of couldn't believe it. Like, how would he give up the gold medal? He's worked so hard. He's done all of this. And so it's an amazing story because he ends up switching races to the 400 meter. And everyone's like, he's not even going to qualify and ends up winning the gold medal. But when he's interviewed for this, the amazing thing is, and the thing that stuck with me, even as a kid watching this movie, is there's this famous line. He, someone's asking him, why would you do that? Why would you possibly give up the gold medal? Like, why? And he said, you know what? God's made me for a purpose, and it's China. He's like, I know that's God's calling on my life, to bring the gospel, and he did. He ended up dying in the land of China, sharing the gospel, building churches, bringing the word of God to people that never had that But the other part of that line, he said, you know what? God's also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And I remember that being such a unique statement, like the first time I heard that, that it just stuck with me. This idea 
that we serve a God and we worship a God who wants to bring that kind of joy and pleasure and goodness in our life. And so many times when we think about God, we may have this idea that we have to combat of this angry God who's up in the sky waiting for us to mess up, right? Waiting to rain down judgment or fire on us. And it was this new idea that, hey, God, you're a God of joy. And you're a God who delights in bringing pleasure and goodness to your people. That's your desire for us, is that we would experience that. And so just wrestling through that idea of, hey, life's not always easy. How do we keep the joy of God in our life? How is joy seen in who we are in the middle of our workday when someone's frustrating us or students when you're at school and a teacher gets on your nerves, right? Like, how do you keep the joy of God? How do we allow joy to be seen in our life in everything that we walk through? How do we understand that goodness of God that Eric Lindell was talking about? And so I want us to be that kind of church. I want us to think about this right here. It's that joy is found in God's salvation. We have to understand where the joy of God is found. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to flip through a number of scriptures, but we're going to start in Isaiah 12, verse 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Isaiah 12, verse 3. And it's where we found this idea that joy is found in God's salvation. This is what Isaiah says. In Isaiah 12, 3, it says this, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now we read that, and that analogy and that picture there, this is kind of a, a prophetic, poetic language that he's using here. We miss that sometimes because for, I'm guessing almost all of us, you got up this morning and you probably walked into your bathroom and you just turned a knob and water started coming out, right? Like easy faucet, I'm guessing that's where most of us kind of live in that vein that there's running water in our house, right? Or you got up, hopefully you brushed your teeth or took a shower, and you didn't have to work for that. Like it's pretty easy that you just kind of turn that knob and water started flowing. But that's not the culture that Isaiah is writing to. See, for most of the people during that time, you're talking about they may have to walk a mile or two miles to get to running water or streams of water to be able to cook food and do everything else, wash stuff and everything else they needed. But if you found a well, if you could find a well and you could tap in to that water source, that was a game changer in your life. Like towns and villages were all built around a well where you would have close access to water. And that's the picture that Isaiah is giving. He's saying, hey, when you understand the salvation of God, when you really get this idea that God has forgiven you and what his goodness means in your life, it is a game changer. Your entire life is built around that and it brings joy to your life. This salvation that you serve a God who loves you, who wants to rescue you, who's pursuing you, that kind of salvation brings a joy that just overflows from your life. And it's not a one-time thing. It's not, yeah, I mean, I was really excited decades ago when I was saved or when I first came to Christ, like there was this joy in my life. It's an everyday process. You guys, he is patient with us. Like I have kids and I know how much they test my patience. Okay. And I won't call out any of their names because some of them are here in service, but, but they test my patience. Right. And I know God is that same way that I test his patience. And yet he's so faithful to us. He's so good. He's so kind, you guys. 
And that's what Isaiah is saying. When you really understand God's salvation, it's this joy that comes in your life. It's this overflowing that continues day in and day out. That it's a process that God hasn't given up on me. That he hasn't abandoned me. But he keeps rescuing me and he keeps waiting on me. And he keeps working in my life even though I don't really deserve it. He keeps saving me, you guys. And Isaiah is saying it's like that. It's like a well that's continuing to flow that brings joy. When you understand the salvation of your God, when you truly understand what it is that God has done for you, it changes things. So someone can cut you off on tra- in traffic, and it's okay. <laughs> I mean, that moment you're like, Ugh! okay, God, you're good, okay? <laughs> Students, you're in school, and then... One of those classes, you get an A and you're on top of the world. And in the next one, it's a D, right? And everything. But, but there's a constant joy in your life. We're not talking about happiness that goes up and down. But a constant joy because you understand the goodness of God. You realize his faithfulness. You realize what it is that he's done in your life. That's what Isaiah is talking about. That's the picture that he wants us to get. This has been a game changer for us. And our life is built around this, this idea that God has saved us and rescued us and redeemed us. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, we see Nehemiah say this. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The people of God in this passage around this, if you're familiar with this story in Nehemiah, they've been working to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, the place where they would come together and worship God. And they had met all this opposition. They had met all this difficulty in their time and in their life. But Nehemiah is saying, hey, it's the joy, the salvation of God that brings strength. It helps you to keep going when you're frustrated, when you want to give up. That this is what continues to fuel us. It is the joy of God that brings strength to our life. That's what he's trying to get us to see. Our joy is found in God's salvation. Joy isn't found in my situation. And that's how some of us try to live our life. Like our lives kind of look like that. If things are going really well, well then God, I am so joyful. I'm so grateful, Lord. I'm so thankful for everything that you're doing. And then when things become difficult, God, where are you at? You've left me. You've abandoned me. And the challenge is seeing God's goodness even in the midst of difficulty. That's where joy is found in. That even in the midst of hard times, That my joy doesn't leave. It's not found in my situation, but it's found in the salvation of God. James chapter 1 verse 2 says it like this. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you meet trials of various kinds. How many of us in the midst of difficulty were like, oh, this is where joy is found out, right? I mean, for a lot of us, joy is found in the promotion. It's found in the good news. It's found in the raise at our job, and now we've got more money and more income coming in. It's found in that guy or girl that you have that crush on, and they finally said, yes, I will go to homecoming with you. And we're joyful, right? But the Bible says, though it's in the midst of trials and difficulties, that joy 
is still present. I was talking to one of my kids earlier this morning, and I was like, hey, whenever I have to correct you or discipline you, do you feel joy? And he's like, I do not, Dad. He's like, that is not a joyful moment. But James says, it's even in the testing of our faith. It's even in the trials. It's when God is shaping and forming and reworking things in our life, those difficult moments, that he said, hey, joy can be found there. Because it doesn't matter the situation that you're going through. It matters the salvation of your God. And it's that heart of gratitude, of understanding, God, your goodness never leaves me. It never goes away. Things may not look like I want them to look like right now. God, things may not be going like I want them to go. But your goodness never departs from me. And that's what brings that joy in our life that Scripture is talking about. This is the power of the Word of God. It's that it begins to reshape and reform our very thought patterns in the way that we think. And as we continue to go over and over scriptures, we be continue to meditate on verses like that in Isaiah, that God, it's with joy that I draw deep from the wells of salvation. God, that my joy is tied into your goodness and your salvation, that it begins to change our very thought patterns. It changes the way that we approach situations. It changes difficult moments in our life. It doesn't mean everything's going to go perfectly, but there's a joy that is now separated just from the situations that we're going through and is found in the goodness of our God. That's what scripture does is it reshapes our lives for the foundation of God's word being there. You guys, we are challenged over and over again. 180 sometimes in the Old Testament, 100 and something times in the New Testament, to be joyful, to rejoice, to allow the goodness of God to bring joy in our life, even in the midst of difficulties. So where is your joy found? In John chapter 15, verse 11, this is what it says here. Jesus is talking to his, to his disciples, and he said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What is it that Jesus just told him? He was telling his disciples, he said, hey, we're connected to one another. And he uses this imagery of a garden. And he said, it's like I'm the vine and you are the branches. And if you will remain in me, your life will bear much fruit. And then he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, our joy is connected to our relationship with God. And whenever that's severed, whenever that's broken, whenever we're disconnected from God, joy is not abundant in our life. Joy is not complete inside of us. It matters how we are connected in the closest in that relationship of what is flowing from God into our lives. That's the picture that Jesus gives us. And so if you're going day in and day out, week in and week out, and you're missing joy in your life, you may need to look at your connection with God. And saying, God, have I allowed something to sever that? God, have I disconnected from you? Because you told me if I'll simply remain in you, God, and I'll allow you to remain in me, that your joy, God, will begin to flow into my life in ways that it needs to. That's the imagery that Jesus is giving us. That's the picture that he gives us, is that he wants his joy inside of us. And you guys, when you're connected to him, things may be happening at your job. But joy is still going to be present in your life. 
There may be family drama, right? That person that always wants to start stuff at family gatherings, and yet joy can still be present there in your life. Students, those projects and homework assignments may be difficult, and yet joy can still be present in your life because you're connected to Jesus. And he said that if you'll remain in me and you'll allow me to remain in you, then you're going to have my joy. My joy is going to be complete in you. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I love this verse. And here's why. Because it reminds us that being a Christian doesn't mean everything's going to go perfectly in our life. And I wish I could pray some prayer over you and say, okay, now you're full of joy. And this week, nothing's going to go wrong. No one's going to frustrate you. But Jesus himself, he said, you're going to have difficulties. You're going to have trials. There's going to be things that are hard in your life, situations that come. But you can take heart. You can have peace in the midst of that. You can have joy in the midst of that because I have overcome this world. I've overcome the enemy and the evil one in this world. And God brings us that joy inside of our life. You guys, we are NCC. And joy should be seen in who we are. And as our leadership team, this was a number of years ago, as we sat down and we were first talking about this, who's God calling us to be as a church? I remember this one standing out to me saying, hey, we need this. Because I've been in churches before, and you probably have too, where there are Christians there who look like they're miserable. Right? They look like they just hate life. And I thought, that's not the kind of church that I want to be a part of. That's not who God has called us to be. You guys, we have the answer. We have the goodness of God working in our life. We've experienced the salvation of God. And that doesn't mean, once again, that everything just goes smoothly in our life. It means that our perspective is different. It means that we approach this life with a different heart, with a different eyesight, with a different understanding, because we have experienced the salvation of God. And because of that, there is a joy in our life that's contagious. That that kind of joy working inside of you, whenever you go into your workplace or whenever you're around family, whenever you're around friends, there should be that joy in your life that others are saying, I want that. Hey, I want what you have. There's something different about you. You don't allow situations to always change your attitude or, or your thankfulness or any of that. There's something solid about your life that just continues to flow joy upon joy out of your life. That's the kind of people that we should be. That's the kind of church that God has called us to be, that joy would be seen in who we are. As we go through our days and our weeks, as we're at our job, that we would allow the goodness of God to overflow in our lives and that it would change and it would impact others. I want to pray for us this morning. If you would take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you're here and you're not experiencing that kind of joy. You could be disconnected from God. There may be things in your life that have separated you 
And God this morning is saying, hey, I want my joy to be complete in you. Or maybe you're here and you've not accepted God's salvation. The Bible is very clear that if we try to do this on our own, we keep messing it up. We allow sin and our mistakes to drive a wedge between us and God. And the Bible says we don't have to wait till we're perfect to come to him. While we're sinners or enemies of God, he loved us so much he came and gave his life. And if we will accept that, if we'll receive his forgiveness in our life, we're promised a brand new start, a new tomorrow. A tomorrow filled with joy, even in the midst of life's difficulties. A peace that comes from God and a joy that overflows from our life. And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, we're going to pray together. And I'm going to invite everyone in this room to pray this prayer. If you're watching online and you're worshiping with us online, and you may be by yourself, but say this out loud because we don't want anyone praying alone. Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I recognize that I've sinned. And I ask for your forgiveness. So come into my life. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now church, can you just put your hands together and celebrate for anyone who may have prayed that prayer? The Bible says this, that heaven is celebrating and rejoicing. Heaven is full of joy. If even just one person prayed that prayer, God is celebrating. And we are too. We're excited for that. And I believe this, that God is working something new in your life. And he wants to do something exciting and new in you. And so I want to encourage you in that. And I'm going to lead us in one more prayer. I know I say this almost every Sunday, but I don't want you to just listen to my words. And if you don't pray a lot, there's nothing special you have to say, but just have a conversation with God. If there's an area of your life that is lacking joy, this week, invite God to bring his joy into that. It may be in a relationship that you have that it just feels difficult, and you're like, God, I need your joy in that situation. Maybe something at work, it may be a decision that you have to make, and you're like, God, it's overwhelming me, but you've promised me joy. God, you're my salvation. And so we're going to do that. We're going to take a moment and just pray together. And I'm going to lead out, but don't just listen to me. Have a conversation with God and pray that his joy would overflow in our lives in such a way that it would impact others that are close to us and that we influence. Let's pray together. God, I come before you and I thank you that you are a God who brings joy in our life. Lord, your goodness and your faithfulness, God, it overwhelms us with joy, even though we face difficult circumstances and situations, Lord. And so I pray that we would be this kind of church, Lord, where joy is seen in who we are. And God, in those moments that are difficult, remind us of your salvation. Remind us of your goodness, God. Remind us of your faithfulness, how you've never given up on us, God. And let that bring joy overflowing in our lives. Lord, if we're in difficult moments, God, this week, wherever we find ourselves, Lord, let your joy be so present in us that it begins to infect others, God. It begins to change others and bring transformation in others' lives. Lord, I'm praying that. 
that we would bring joy as your church to our community, to our family, to our relationships, in our schools, God, in our workplace, God, wherever we find ourselves, Lord, let your joy be overflowing in our lives and let it change others, God. We pray this in your name, amen.